founded yap.us back in or yap.us back in 2012 since they've published and worked with over 80,000 different events it's a SaaS business ranging from people you know people pay 400 bucks per app per year and they pay for anywhere between one on the small end all the way up to their largest account which is 50 apps per year ranging from real estate uh, conferences to pole dancing conferences to sales conferences and events she's hustling she's making it happen with her team of five that is virtual and remote this is the top where i interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base you'll learn how much revenue they're making what their marketing funnel looks like and how many customers they have I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 units sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Maria Seidman. She's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Yap, the top platform for event applications. Prior to Yap, she was GM for mobile and the VP of new business for Warner Bros. Digital Distribution. She has her MBA from Stanford and her BA from Yale and resides in New York City. Maria, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, Nathan, thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for jumping on. Okay, you said the top platform for event apps. Back it up with numbers. What makes you at the top? Well, Nathan, as I told you by email, we're not going to share numbers. We're a private company. Hey, Maria, uh, listen, share anything you want, but I can't put well, in your bio that you're the top app for events if you can't give me some statistics. So even if it's sure. number of events per year, it doesn't have to be revenue, but you, I can't say that without you giving it some kind of number. Sure. So since we started, we've had 85,000 uh, apps published on our platform, mostly around events and groups. Great. And when was the company founded? Um, we were founded in 2011. We launched in 2012. Okay, got it. And take me through some of the, the backstory here. So what were you doing? Obviously, it sounds like you were at Warner Bros. right before this, or, or is there something between Warner Bros. and Yap? Sure. Um, there, there was a hiatus period. Um, I left Warner Brothers in 2010. Um, we moved to New York City as a family. Um, I was doing some consulting, uh, and I had the idea for Yap. Um, I found my co-founder in 2011, uh, and we launched in 2012. And what? So, you know, someone thinking about Yap and, and how it was just described in the bio might be going, "Well, look, I I kind of use Facebook events for for like you know live events and things like that." So, give me a use case of a customer and kind of why they're choosing to use you or how they've used you uh, instead of a Facebook apps or maybe one of your other competitors? Yeah, great question. Um, so real 
conferences and don't really use Facebook events for their events. As you know, use it for social things. Hey, we're getting together in the park, et cetera. Um, the market we service are professional events. Um, sometimes it's called the mice industry, um, the meetings, uh, incentives, conferences, um, space. Uh, and so what we're doing is um, we're providing event technology for organizers. They could be inside of the corporation. So think, uh, you know, Capital One having a sales training meeting um, or for associations. Think the National Funeral Associations of America get together in Las Vegas. Oh, Maria, you're really boosting up the energy here with these funeral examples this morning. I know. <laughs> uh, how about our customer, the uh, the National Pole Dancing There Champions. we go. There we go. There we go. Is that <laughs> Uh, you know, they just had their national championships. Uh, they took it around the country, around the world, and they had a uh, Yap app for each of those uh, events. So um, it could really, really vary. Um, but really, we're about professional corporate events um, or nonprofit events, um, not the kind of casual stuff you do um, on Facebook. And so the event platform is a lot more robust. Um, you know, you're talking about schedules. You're talking um, about... Um, connecting, networking, you're talking about polling, um, data going back to the event planner, et cetera. And what's your business model? How do you make money? Um, we're a SaaS business. Um, okay. we, <clears throat> we charge annually for a subscription. Um, you buy a package of apps that you're going to create. So um, it's either one app and, you know, our largest package to date has been 50 apps. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Like one of my big struggles at my first SaaS company, Heyo, which was a, a kind of a, a campaign tool was it was so seasonal. It was very difficult to manage churn because you'd have Black Friday events and then Easter things that people would use it for, but they'd churn in between. I imagine you see that problem even at a, at a bigger scale for people that only do one conference a year. How do you manage that? Yeah, uh, another great question. Um, so we look at our customer base and it's really varied. Um, you'd be surprised at how many things that are events people have, right? So it could just be your offsite meeting um, for your leadership. It could be your board meeting or it could be a 10,000 person conference. Um, so we definitely embrace our users who have, you know, one event per year. They're just the event organizer for one event they're going to use Yap for. But because we're so affordable, um, people start using us for all kinds of other things. We also have a secondary business, um, which comes from the event business, which is our internal communications tool. So really what happens is some, a customer might use it um, for, let's say, a sales manager's meeting. Um, and then they say, hey, we really like communicating over Yap, right? We are sharing ideas. Um, we get to know each other's bios. Um, there's a social feed where, you know, they're, they're kind of talking and connecting, and then they use it for um, year-round engagement where they're continually using the tool. And so um, there's kind of two aspects to it. There's the seasonal, hey, we're just having one event, and then there's the ongoing communication. Um, and then, again, a lot of our customers um, are holding all kinds of different events per year so it's not just a one-time thing that's and the are, segment we're targeting and are we talking like 10 bucks a year per event or 10 grand per, per year per event or 100 grand i mean give me a general range of the size of yeah, these sure. plans sure of um, all our pricings on our website um but the smallest plan is 400 dollars per app Okay. Um, per year. Um, and then, you know, again, we have volume pricing, which goes up, you know, per, you know, go, you get a discount as you buy, buy, buy more apps um, in, in a bundle up front. And do you find yourself really selling more directly to the conference organizer or to the agency that's supporting the, the many, many different conferences? 
Um, it's both. Um, it's really both um, okay. because there are, there are a lot of organizations, you know, especially small organizations that don't have don't have the funds to um, have an outside conference planner, and they're really doing these things themselves. Um, it, yeah. Go no, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, you know, when people, especially I would assume people listening to this podcast who are in the tech business, who are entrepreneurs, you know, when they think of events and conferences they go to, they think about like CES or South by Southwest or, you know, these massive, massive um, events that are really complex. What's really interesting about our business and our space is we're really capturing the long tail. Um, you know, there are 2 million different conferences in the U.S. alone. Um, and some of these are planned, you know, just by a small, it's association that has you know less than five people but they're planning an event for three to five hundred people that are their members of their association and so there's just a lot of stuff going on in the long tail um, and that's really where our focus is got it and what what's your team size now uh we're five people five people all based in new york uh, we are a virtual team. We're remote, so uh, we're kind of all over the place. And what's the split? Like how many engineers and what do you focus on on your day-to-day? Um, we've got three engineers um, and then me and uh, marketing, uh, my marketing colleague, Omar. Um, and, you know, we're, I'm, I'm Jill of all trades, as they say. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm working on product with the team. I'm working on marketing with Omar. I'm working on strategy. I'm talking to customers. I love talking to customers. Um, I'm doing it all. And That's what makes it fun. Have you made the decision to bootstrap this or have you raised capital? Um, we started off by raising a small amount of seed capital, um, and then as the business evolved, um, we decided that we wanted to bootstrap. The original idea, like many people's, was different than what it is today, um, and the current version of the business, which is a SaaS, you know, a SaaS business that's profitable, um, so we continue to bootstrap. That's great. Um, what was the seed round? Like when you say small, you mean like a hundred grand or ten grand or? Again, uh, uh, no, not not that small. I mean, it was sizable. Um, it was done by some prominent VCs. You can search it in the press. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the amount wasn't disclosed. Got it. Um, okay, good. So fast forward us uh, to. I mean, well, hold on, real quick. That was that price though, or was it debt? Debt. It was debt. Okay, it, it was debt. So like how? Well, okay. So that's an interesting question. Um, if you make the strategically decision not to bootstrap those people, like the whole reason you do convertible debt is because you're putting the the conversation evaluation off to the next funding round, right? So those people potentially never convert. Like that's an interesting that's an interesting kind of thing to talk about with them. How do you have those conversations? Uh, I mean, they're supportive of our ongoing business. Um, they, you know, the. There are obviously scenarios that the debt covers, um, and so would you yeah, ever just pay just... them back with the interest? Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. And then, what are you? So, I mean, what do you see this growing into? It sounds like you have two kind of different applications. One is to build the app. One is to manage communication in between different events. Five years from now, what's the company look like? As you know, five years is such a long time in startup land, um, but we really aim to be a suite of tools um, targeted at marketing and event individuals to help them better communicate with their constituencies. So um, very broad vision, but there's a lot of products that fit um, that are direct tangents from our current business. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned at the top of the show that you've processed, I think, 80,000 events since 2012. That's kind of total cumulative number. Um, what, what, I mean, what will you do in 2017 so we can get a sense of growth and volume? Uh, hey, uh, I have no idea. We don't, we don't predict Mar- that far Come out. on, Maria. How do you not know? That's like your main core metric is how many events you put on. Uh, 
well, it's more that I can't. Oh, in 2017, I thought you meant and beyond. No, like, what do you sorry. think you'll do in 2017, or what did you do in 2016? Like, was it? Right. Yeah. Again, I'm not. Dis- I'm sorry, but I'm not disclosing numbers. Well, Maria, just to be clear, look, the one reason I started this show is because a lot of people put out press releases that we are the top, you know, event application, or, or we have, you know, we just had a hundred million dollar sale, but ninety nine million was an earnout that no one ever asked them about. So by you choosing to just disclose eighty thousand applications launched between launch date and today, what I'm hearing is you're not happy with what the growth rate is, and that's why you're choosing not to share what your trailing twelve months like event was. It's not even revenue I'm asking. For. I'm just looking for event volume growth. No, Nathan, I'm telling you, as I did when I agreed to come on the show, that I'm happy to talk about event tech. I'm, I'm talking to talk about business, but we're a private company in the competitive space, and I'm not willing to talk about our numbers. Well, you've already shared. My point is, though, Marie, you already shared the 80,000. So I'm not asking you for revenue numbers or something you didn't share. You shared 80,000, and all I'm trying to get a sense of, well, what does that 80,000 mean? Is that, is that a number you're focused on growing, or do you not care about how many events you're doing? You care about growing expansion into current accounts, things like that. Oh, fine. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not necessarily focused on um, the number of apps, um, and that's how we count it, not necessarily events, but um, we are focused on increasing our average revenue per user, and we are focused on um, going further and further um, deeper into the enterprise. Got it. Now, you're a creative person. You came from Warner Bros., so here's an interesting question for you. You're not allowed to say paid marketing or inbound marketing. What's the weirdest thing you've done, the weirdest tactic you've done to acquire customers? The weirdest? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to think about that. Oh, come on. Uh, well, very, very early on, very early on uh, in the business, um, we couldn't afford to go to trade shows uh-huh. um, as an exhibitor because, you know, that like could set you back six grand uh, or more um, to have a booth. So I would just sneak in as uh, an attendee, especially because a lot of times attendees were free or, you know, a hundred bucks or something. I'd carry around my cell phone with our event app on it. And I would just go to all the places people wanted to be like the bars, the coffee, whatever, not actually at the exhibit show. Um, and I'd sell Yap that way. And we had a couple sales that way until of course I was asked to leave. Uh, hold on a second. I bet you. I bet you're you're the kind of person that has the enough kind of people skills where even if event charged two grand to get in, you know they never have security people there checking. You probably just walk on in, do your thing, and get new customers. Admit it. You're smiling. You totally did that, didn't you? <laughs> I definitely can't cop to that on air, Nathan. I listen. I've done it. it listen, if if people if someone's going to charge two grand for an event and then not have someone there to scan people when they come in, people should walk in for free. You should if you have two charge two grand a minute, you should charge a security guard 85 bucks an hour to check the freaking tickets you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i've gotten into many events and closed many many deals that way there's nothing to be ashamed about there guys big news last month was a huge month for the company i recently acquired which was www.thetopinbox.com i liked the company so much when i met the person who created it it lets you send emails later on gmail set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened it's great if you're in sales or ceo or trying to be more productive so listen i bought the whole company on the spot and i want to tell you how i did it i've showed the deal by the way to big smart people private equity firms vcs and they're dumbfounded they go nathan how did you do this we've never seen a deal like this how did you do this so i did an unbelievable deal 
and I wanna show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com, click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com. All right, Maria, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, okay, my favorite business book? This. Wow, there's so many. Or the last um, one you read. The, the last book. Uh, God, I usually listen to podcasts and stuff. I don't know about the last book. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a shout out to my husband who wrote a book called How, Why How You Do Anything Means Everything. Um, obviously, I'm biased, but um, I think it's one of the most important books that explains the whole world today and why you start a business um, and and how you be competitive today. So, number, how, how? Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, I study lots of, you know, I study lots of different people. I love to listen to podcasts like yours to hear about, you know, different entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I'm really obsessed with Slack these days. I just think it's an amazing story and amazing, um, company. And so, um, you know, that's somebody I follow closely. So, so Stuart Butterfield. Yeah. Stuart Butterfield. Okay. And then if you had a, uh, maybe it's Slack, but what's your favorite online tool? Maybe like a cutie scheduling, something you use to run your business. Um, I, it, I mean, I would say it is, uh, it is Slack. Um, recently we, um, used something called full story, which, uh, was, we thought was awesome. Um, which is, um, you know, a way to see what your customers are doing on your site. Um, I like that too, but I would say our number one tool that's really changed the game for us internally has been Slack, especially with the virtual team. All right. Uh, number four, how many hours of sleep to get every night? Uh, during the week, I'd say five on the weekends, I'd say seven. Okay, and what's your situation? Well, you mentioned you're married. Do you have any kiddos? Uh, yeah, I got two kiddos. How young are they? I've got a ten-year-old and a five-year-old. Ooh, so you're in the thick of it. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. And, and one of them uh, was born during the time that we uh, started Yap, so that yeah. was interesting. Well, yeah, if he's five years old, that would have been literally in 2012. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And Maria, do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm 39 years old. 39 years young. All right, last question. Take us back 19 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, wow. Um, so many things. Um, I would say I wish my 20-year-old self knew that uh, you should take more risks, that life is about taking risks, and uh, that's how you learn, and that's how you grow. Uh, and I wish I took more risks when I was 20. There you guys have it from Maria. She wishes she took more risks before, uh, when she was 20. She founded Yap.us back in, or Yap.us back in 2012. Since they've published and worked with over 80,000 different events. It's a SaaS business ranging from people, you know, people pay 400 bucks per app per year and they pay for anywhere between one on the small end all the way up to their largest account, which is 50 apps per year, ranging from real estate uh, conferences to pole dancing conferences to sales conferences and events. She's hustling. She's making it happen with her team of Five, that is virtual and remote. Maria, thank you for taking us to the top. Yeah, thanks, Nathan, for having me.